going to be reading from the book of Exodus chapter 33. In fact, today you might get caught up on your Bible reading. Um, we're going to read the last few verses as I open this message today. At the end of Exodus 33, and then we're going to backtrack and work through some of the verses here. In Exodus 33, we find Moses in what we call the tent of meeting. It's a place where Moses would go and he would, he would pray and he would, he would seek God. It's in this place where he was meeting God that he begins to pray a prayer. And it's in this prayer that we see a very important truth about God's presence. The importance of God's presence in our our lives. So he's in a tent of meeting. It's just a tent. It's there in the wilderness there. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. And he's praying this prayer at the end of Exodus chapter 33. It's kind of the end of the story, and we're going to backtrack and catch the whole story where it will make sense. But I want you to notice what he prays in this prayer because it's so absolutely important as a Christ follower, follower to understand and place value, value not on liturgy and structure and man's rules and guidelines. And, you know, if you're not careful, it almost, our, our ways and the way we do what we do, it's comfortable to us, but it has nothing to do with God. But notice what Moses prioritizes in his life. This is the prayer. Verse 13 of Exodus 33, it says, Now then I pray, if I have found grace in your eyes, show me your ways. <laughs> show me your ways so that I might know you. I might know you. That's the mission of celebration, that I might know you so that I might find favor in your sight. Consider also this nation is your people, the children of Israel he's talking about here. Some estimates say about two to three million people. God answered Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you your rest. Now, we're going to find out in just a moment that God actually changes his mind here. Because early on in the chapter, he says, I ain't going with you. And this is what has caused this prayer meeting and the tent of meeting. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But then he, Moses, said to him, if your presence does not go with me, don't let us go up from here. For how would it be known that that I or your people have found favor in your sight. Now notice this. Isn't it the very fact that your presence travels with us that distinguishes us? It's two things there. I want to back up and just, I want you to catch this so that you don't, you don't make God's presence just about this service here today. Notice that his presence is supposed to travel with you. 
It's supposed to go into your home. It's supposed to go into your kitchen. It's supposed to go into your business. It's supposed to go into the workplace. It's supposed to go into your life. What we're doing here is not just supposed to be a one, two-hour thing on Sunday. We're supposed to be traveling with the presence of God. God's presence will travel with you. I hope you take him home today with you. Isn't it the very fact that your presence travels with us that distinguishes us from every other people on earth? I want you to catch that. It is the presence of God in your life and on your life, the mark of his presence that, that Moses is saying that separates you or distinguishes you as a Christ follower or a believer. When you walk in a room, things change because of what you're carrying. <laughs> you, can, you, 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 you know this. You can walk in a room where somebody's been arguing and there's been strife and you go, oh, this is, something's wrong here. But you take somebody that has the presence of God on their life and they walk in a room. Oh, Jesus. Moses is saying, Lord, this is what distinguishes us from all other people that don't follow you. What is the one thing that distinguishes us as believers? It is we are presence carriers. We are marked by the presence of an almighty God. And it's so important for you to understand that because God is everywhere, but upon believers, he wants, he wants that to be manifested in your life, that you are a carrier of his presence. When you walk into a room, the peace of God walks into a room. The joy of God walks into a room. We've had so many people in our lives, they'll come into our home and say, I, I just feel peace here. Well, well, they should feel peace there. Why? Because we're there because it's the presence of God that marks the people of God. Come on, when we walk in a room, things change. When we come into a city, things change. I was hearing a story the other day, a, a minister friend, a mentor of mine, talking about how his wife had brought somebody home who could not sleep for three days and saw me, just could not sleep, stressed out, just overwhelmed. and came into their house and all he did begin to do is just worship God in his house. And that lady slept for three days without waking up. Why? Because of the presence of God, the peace of God. We're presence carriers. This is what the Bible says distinguishes you. This is, this is the mark. This is, this is what separates you from everybody else that doesn't believe in Jesus. Don't miss this. Moses is saying God isn't um, It's powerful. God is being marked by you not marketed by man that sets you apart. I, I think we're so interested in being marketed by, by people, but that's not what sets us apart. Moses is saying, 
that, that being marked by God, not marketed by man, is what sets us apart. Well, well I could spend the rest of the day just going verse to verse and, and showing you the promises of the presence of God and the benefits of the presence of God. And, and, and we don't really have time for that because I want to get to this story. But, but let me just remind you in, in Psalm 1611, Again, it's, it's the presence of God that, that distinguishes you, that, that marks you. It's not, it's not being marketed by man that's going to give you the, the success that you're looking for because the Bible says that in your presence, the psalmist said, is fullness of joy. It's in, it's in, it's in God's presence. It's not by swiping and scrolling and by your multitude of likes and and your followers, it's, it's, it's in every, here's what, everything that you need in life is found in His presence because it's in His presence that you're marked by God. But the psalmist says you, 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 you actually have complete joy in the presence. One translation says it this way, your presence brings complete happiness forever. Oh, everything you're looking for that will bring you complete joy and peace and happiness in your life is found in God's presence. Joy for every issue in your life is found in God's presence. Joy for your marriage is found in God's presence. Joy for your finances is found in If you want every issue to be fixed, find the presence of God. There is complete joy. It is the distinguishing mark that God puts upon your life that separates you from everybody else. While the world is stressed out, you don't have to be stressed out. While the world is worrying, you don't have to be worrying. Why? Because you are marked by the presence of Almighty God. And it's in that presence, that presence that you find fullness of, of joy. I would submit to you that the better than ever life you're looking for is found in God's, God's presence. It's, the, it's not about marketing to success. It's about being marked by the one that is success. That's the reason why David, the psalmist, man after God's own heart, which said this one thing I ask. One thing I desire, there's only one thing I really go after in my life. He says that I might dwell in the house of the Lord. That's his presence. All the days of my life, he says, so that I might behold and gaze and look upon his beauty. It's the reason why he even later on said just one day in his courts is better than a thousand days. I want to pick on this today. Than swiping and scrolling and uh, binging and one day in his presence is always oh, better than a thousand days elsewhere. Jesus said it to Martha when she stressed out with the busyness of life. Oh, Martha, Martha, there's only one thing that's needed. And, and Mary has chosen the better part. It's the joyful part. It's the, it's the part you were marked for. It's to be in the presence of Almighty God, to travel with the presence. Don't make this a church service. To travel with the presence of God is what? It's the one thing that's needed. So, so Moses is praying, God, if you don't go, I, 
I'm not going. If your presence doesn't go, I'm, I'm not going to do this thing. And let me give you the backstory to this prayer that Moses is praying in the tent of meetings here. We, we know the story, familiar story, where, where God's people are in bondage in Egypt. They're in slavery for four, 430 some odd years. And because God's people cried out and began to pray, <laughs> sometimes you just need to pray. I don't know why it took them 430 years, but after 430 years, huh? Shock, huh? Bible says you have not because you ask not. Whoever would have thought just to pray. And they pray. God answers their prayer and sends Moses to deliver them out of slavery, out of bondage, out of Pharaoh's grip. And God brings them out with mighty signs and wonders and, and miracles. Just, just, just an amazing sight when you read through the book of Exodus, how God brought them out by the supernatural power and hand of God. And God's promise for his people is that he had a land for them. We, we know that. He talks about the, the uh, promised land that flows with milk and honey. It was, a, it was a prosperous place that God was going to take them out of slavery and put them in a land of abundance where the, the Bible says they would never lack again and they wouldn't have scarcity in their life. And, and uh, so they're pretty excited out uh, after 430 years and and, and, and and, and now they're on their way to their promised land, but once they left their promise, or once they left the, 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 the bondages of Egypt, you need to hear this because most people don't, don't really connect this part of the story. Their first destination was not going to be the promised land. Their first destination upon leaving Egypt and leaving slavery was not the land of milk and honey. God had a, God had a stop for them in the wilderness. It was called Mount Sinai. Hmm. And remember, the whole reason why Moses would tell Pharaoh to let God's people go is he would say, let God's people go that we may go and worship our God in the desert. Well, why was this, this stop so? Why, why don't we just go to our, our promised land? Why don't we just go get our milk and honey? Why don't we just go get our provision? Why don't we just go get our gold? Why don't we just go get our silver? Why don't we just go get them? Because God had a stop that they needed to stop at because God wanted to show them the importance of relationship. This stop is so important that before God took them to the promised land, God wanted to bring them to the promiser. God wanted to bring those people, some three million people, to himself. So Moses brings the people to the foot of the mountain, Mount Sinai, in the desert of Sinai there. And a place that Moses years earlier has had an experience with God, the, the presence of God. It was called the burning bush. And and so Moses brings them to that place, and now they're going to experience God. Before we go get our promised land, we, we need to experience God. And, and Moses then goes up to the mountain to have a, a private meeting with God, and, tells, and God tells Moses to tell the people that the whole reason why they're stopping here at Mount Sinai is that he brought them out 
to bring them to himself. I'm belaboring this point, but it's a huge point. The very many, very few of us that don't even know, we never talk about it, we never preach it. We're, we're, not, we're not just going to rush to the promised land. We're going to stop at Mount Sinai. And notice what God says here in Exodus to tell the people in Exodus 19. As Moses went up to meet God, God called down to him from the mountain. Speak to the house of Jacob. Notice, tell the people of Israel. You have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. And if you'll listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant, out of all the peoples, notice what God is saying. You go tell, you, you go tell the, the people I just delivered. You tell them you'll be my special treasure. Notice it wasn't about milk and honey here. It wasn't about the land of abundance. It was about God wanted them to know that he wanted them to be his treasure. God was wanting relationship before he brought provision into their life. And then he goes on to say, the whole earth is mine to choose from, but you're special. Oh, I like this. Lean over to your neighbor and say, you're special today. He says, you're special. You're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And notice what he says. This is what I want you to tell the people of Israel, Moses. So, so don't miss this. The whole reason why God saved them was that he could have a relationship with them. <laughs> you didn't hear that. This is so important or you're not going to think the presence of God is important. You'll just make God a gumball machine to get you out of your troubles. He says, before I take you to a land of abundance, I need to bring you to a place that you can experience me and have a relationship with me. You, you got to know and remember in the Old Testament, it's all types and shadows. This is actually a picture of your salvation. The whole, the whole thing of Israel coming out of slavery is a picture of how you came out of sin. And before he gets you the car and the house, oh, Jesus, and the boat and the stuff and the provision, he wants you to stop and make sure you understand that salvation was not about the stuff. Salvation was about a relationship with him. God wants you for himself. You are his treasure. That, that's, that's why God did what he did. He loved you and he wanted a relationship with you. Relationship is so important to God. My question for you today is, how important is it to you as a Christ follower? Or do you just pray that cheap little prayer that you prayed that now you think you're going to go to heaven? You was never really interested in relationship. You just was interested in not going to hell. Got quiet. It's funny how I can quiet a place so quickly. This is important. Relationship is important to God. And my question to us, is the relationship important to us? Making God a big deal is really a big deal to God. It was never just to be about the promise. It was always to be about the promiser. It was never about the provision. It was always to be about the provider. It was never about the blessing. It was to be about the blesser. It was never just to be about the resources. It was to be about the source himself, God Almighty. Christianity was never intended to just be another means. This is, this is strong, but this is helpful. Christianity was never 
just to be another means to achieve your success goals. I think in America, we've made that in the American church. We just say, add, add a little bit of Jesus to your life and it'll make you successful. That's not why God, that's not why God got you saved. He says, I need you to come by this mountain because I need to show you that before I give you all this stuff, I have something bigger on my mind. It was about a relationship. It was about you being my treasure. <laughs> maybe, maybe this will help drive the point home. God is not looking to be your sugar daddy. God is about intimate relationship. So God's people begin to see and encounter a God. I want you to stay with me. I'm just going to work through the story not much longer. But you, this is powerful. So, so God's people begin to see and encounter a God that wanted a relationship with him at the foot of this mountain. It was on this very mountain that God met with Moses for 40 days and 40 nights. It's where he got the Ten Commandments. And God gave him a download of so many other things on this mountain. Why they're at the foot of the mountain, they're seeing fireworks and they're just seeing just, just, just the glory and the smoke and the, just, just a crazy experience with, with God. But, but as Moses is encountering God, God's people begin to get impatient. <laughs> they get tired of waiting on Pastor Moses. And they concluded that he's taking way too long and they've concluded, you know what, maybe, maybe Moses has gotten lost. So they start doing some really stupid things. They start thinking, we, we need to get us a new pastor. You know, he preaches way too long. <laughs> get us one that we like. But they didn't stop there. They said, not only do we need to get a new pastor, we need to get a new God. And this is only months after being delivered out of slavery, huh. out of bondage. They've already concluded they need a new pastor, they need a new God, so they find the associate pastor that's wanting to split the church and start and move down the road and start another church. And they found Pastor Aaron. And they start giving him all their gold that they got from the Egyptians, their wrist bracelets and their ankle bracelets and on and on. And they give all the gold to Pastor Aaron because Pastor Aaron is going to pastor a church like they want it to be pastored. And they tell Pastor Aaron, this is the way our church is going to operate. We need, we need you to take that gold. And all together they made a, an image, a, a, a carbon image. They made a calf, a golden calf, a, a golden cow. And, and then they say, this is our God. This, this is the God that has delivered us out of 430 years of slavery. And the Bible says they start worshiping the golden cow. <laughs> it was a frenzy. It was a party. The Bible says that they were... Some of them stripped their clothes off and went crazy. And it was a noisy thing that even so much so that Moses heard it on the mountain. What in the world are these people doing? That They're worshiping a golden calf, a golden cow that they, they, they created with their own hands. And, and now they're worshiping it. But, but 
we look at that and we go, well, that, that's just crazy. But don't we have our own versions of our own golden cows? Huh? Those things that get our worship, those things that get our priorities, our time, our devotion, our commitment, our resources. Hmm. So God's people, and I could park right there, and you know I could, but I'm going to keep on going. Because we got our golden cows, don't we? Ain't got time for God. Don't have resources for God. Spent it on everything else. This, this, is what, this is the God I like. I don't like to do it His way. So God's people have forgotten the true God, Yahweh. And as you can imagine, God's not very thrilled with them. In fact, God tells Moses that he is done, and he calls them a stiff-necked people. He says, I, he says I'm done with the stiff-necked people. This is all in your Bible, by the way. Just getting you caught up on your Bible reading plan. He says they're, they're a rebellious people. And what's amazing is it's in this moment that, God's, that Moses begins to pray on behalf of the people. So, God, you can't destroy them. You made a covenant with their forefathers. You, you made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, I know they're a bunch of idiots, but you've got to forgive them. <laughs> it brings us to the Bible reading that we're going to read. We're going to read a few verses here and conclude. This is where we pick up the story in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 33. Remember, we went to the end of it to read the prayer. This is the beginning of it. Verse 1, it says, Then Yahweh says to Moses, you understand Yahweh is a Hebraic word or name for, for God. You've got to remember in the Bible or in their day or even in our day, everybody had gods. And so, they, so God even showed up to Abraham, even says in the Old Testament, he says, this is my name, Yahweh, Yahweh God. I'm not, I'm not a moon God. I'm not a food God. They had a God for everything. I'm not just a God. My name is God. God. My name is Yahweh. It is the creator God. It says, then Yahweh said to Moses, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Notice God's not even taking responsibility for them now. You, you brought them up, Moses. I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> Must leave this place. Go to the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And with an oath saying, I will give to you your descendants. This is, isn't this amazing? Verse 1, I, I want you to hear this. Moses prays, God, you made a covenant. And because God made a covenant, he's a, he's a faithful God to his covenant. If God has promised it, he is faithful to perform it, the Bible says. And even though they had messed up because because, oh, because God had made a covenant to their grandfathers, God says, I will go ahead and be faithful to what I promised. Some of you are blessed today, not because of your actions. Some of you are walking in the blessings because of a grandma and a grandpa. Come on, and a generation that's gone before you. Somebody ought to get excited that there was a grandma praying on her knees. And God is faithful to perform His promises. 
It goes on to verse 2, and we'll try to scoot quickly. He says, I will send a messenger, Moses, and this messenger is an angel ahead of you. And I, because God says, I'm not going, I'm not going to go, but I, I'm going to still let them go into the promised land. I'm going to let them have their car. I'm going to let them have their stuff. I'm going to let them have their house. I'm going to let them have their blessings, but I'm not going with you, you Moses. I'm going to send an angel instead, and he'll go before you and force out the Canaanites, the Ammonites, his, his, all the sites, all the ites, all the ites, Hivites, the Jebusites. And, and, and then verse 3, go to that land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not be with you, Moses, because you are impossible to deal with. That's what he's telling the people. And I would destroy you on the way. <laughs> uh, just a side note, that, that actually is God's mercy. That is God's. God says, you know, if I go with you, you're going to test me again. So I'm just going to send you an angel and you go get your stuff. But I'm going to hang back here because you're an impossible people. And if you test me one more time, I just might wipe you all. That's the mercy of God. Mercy of God. Now, now catch this. This is powerful. When the, when the people heard this bad news, this is bad news. This is, if God's not going with you, that's bad news. If God is not going in your marriage, in your home, in your family, in your workplace, that is bad news. They acted as if someone had died. No, no one then would wear jewelry. Well, yeah, I guess, what, guess so. Let me read it again. When the people heard this bad news, they acted as if someone had died. No one wore any jewelry. Why? Because they had abused their jewelry. We, we don't need the temptation. Let's just put it over here. Let's just get rid of our bling right now and let's just focus on God. The ones who were just worshiping a golden calf said, oh no, this isn't good news. Because what God is saying here is you can have the land, but you can't have me. But they didn't want just the land. They, they wanted God. You see, they knew what, what good is the promise without God's presence? What good is the provision without the presence? What good is the provision without the provider? You see, no amount, oh, this is a powerful thing. No amount of success is worth the absence of God in your life. No amount of success. No amount of success is worth the absence of God in your life. Sometimes I wonder, I wonder if we are using God for all the stuff or is He really the one we want? Hear me today. There's a few more things here. We're getting ready to shout. We're getting ready to get excited. This all happens in chapter 33. But hear me today, the promise of God without the presence of God is empty. Provision without God's, without God's presence is, is empty. Why would you want success without God? We see people every day blowing their brains out. They have success, but they have no peace. It goes on to say in verse 7, now Moses took a tent. This is why he took a tent. And set it up far outside the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. 
And anyone who was seeking Yahweh's will could go outside the camp to the tent of meeting. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand at the entrances to their tents and watch Moses until he went in. As soon as Moses went into the tent, the column of smoke would come down and stay at the entrance to the tent while Yahweh spoke with Moses. When all the people saw the column of smoke standing at the entrance to the tent, they would bow with their faces touching the ground at the entrance to their tents. So, so here they have the situation. God says, I'm not going to go with you. you. You guys can go have the land that flows with milk and honey. You can go have the provision. You can go have the blessings. But, 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 but you don't get me. I'm going to send my angel before you. And, and so there's some three million people. They're camping out. And Moses says, we got to fix this problem. So he gets a tent and he takes it outside the camp, way outside the camp, and sets it up. And that became a meeting place for Moses. It was a tent of meeting where Moses would go and Moses would pray and he would, he would stand on behalf of the people of God. It's a place that Moses would spend time with God. It, Moses was a presence carrier. Moses knew the, the power and the strength of his life was found in his relationship because with Moses, it was always about a relationship. It was never about a promised land. And so he's praying in the tent of meetings. But I want you to notice that the Bible says in verse 7, anyone who was seeking Yahweh's will could go. So here you have three million people that could go to the tent of meetings, but none of them went to the tent of meetings. The, the, the only ones we see going to the tent of meetings to the presence of God was Moses. And you'll see that Joshua would also go but the Bible says anyone could go, but not everybody was going. It, it was the place where you would go to, to pray, to, to get in the presence of God. Anybody could go, but they didn't go. The Bible says that they would stay at their tent and they would watch Moses until he went into the tent of meetings. These people decided to be watchers and not goers. Please, please don't confuse watching with, with going to the, the meeting place. The, the meeting place is where you meet God's, God's presence. And, 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 and you can be here in this, this building today and still be a watcher. You can be online and, and be a watcher. But this is not about watching somebody experience the presence of God. This is about you experiencing the presence of God. It's not enough for me to watch somebody else to go into the presence of God. I got to be a person that goes into the presence of God. Why? Because it's the presence of God that's going to mark my life. And they would watch Moses go in. They were content watching others pursue God's presence. They, they even showed respect. The Bible says they would bow down and they would show respect for all the ones going in, but they weren't interested in taking the time and making the priority and pursuing a relationship with God. This was the problem with these people because they wanted the stuff of God, but they didn't want God of the stuff. And they would watch Moses go in. And verse 11 said this, 
Yahweh would speak to Moses personally in that tent as a man speaks to his friend. Before we get the song, he's a friend of God. They're, they're not because they don't want to go to the tent. They, they don't have time for the tent. They, they would rather spectate and be critical of those that go to the tent. Oh, don't we have that? People that spectate and then they want to criticize everything. Yahweh would speak to Moses personally as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses would come back to the camp. Moses would come back to the camp. He'd leave the tent. But his assistant, the young man Joshua, would not leave the inside of the tent. I think Moses would have to leave the tent to make sure that God's people weren't making another calf because they didn't want to go to the tent. But the tent was a tent of meeting for that experience. So Moses would go back and begin to, to deal with the people, give instructions, but the Bible says that, 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 that the young man Joshua, young man, everybody say young man, he's only a teenager. This is the landing point. I'm almost done. He, he would not leave. Other translations says he would linger. Everybody say linger. That word linger means to stay in a place longer than is usual or expected. He would linger in that tent. Why do you think he would linger? Because he's watched Moses' life all his life. And he's probably saying, how come Moses has the power of God in his life? How come, how come God is able to use Moses in such a tremendous way and through, through the signs and the miracles and he's parting Red Seas and it's because Moses would go to a place with God and be touched by the presence of God. For, for, for Moses, it wasn't about the stuff of God. It was about the relationship with God. And, and Joshua seen that. And so then even when Moses would leave that place of presence, then Joshua just would linger. In other words, he would just stay longer than all the others. Maybe this is fitting that I'm just going a few minutes longer because we're going to see how many people will just linger with me. Well, he's going kind of long. Maybe I need to get out of here. Well, yeah. But Joshua just stayed longer than what was required. And, and I believe God is looking for a generation that would just linger in the presence of God. You, you want a life that's better than ever? It's his presence. I think God is looking for a people that's willing just to linger, not waste time. If God's done, let's get out of here. But, but I think God is looking for a people that's just willing to linger a little bit longer in His presence, a little bit longer in His Word, a little bit longer in, in worship. Do, do we have to sing it again? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe just one more time. Did, did you know what's going on in our nation right now? It's because just a group of college students decided because they... they, they they were told they didn't have to go back to class. Let's just stay with the worship team and let's just sing this song another time. And 11 days later, it's still going. Because they just chose to, let's, let's just linger. Let's just stay a little bit longer than, than, than everybody else and than what is required or what my flesh wants. And, and, and it was this lingering 
that Joshua would, would do. You know, we don't have a lingering problem, do we? Huh? We linger at events. We linger at activities. We linger with our friends. Me and my wife went out to dinner the other night. It's my fourth closing. Three hours later, we're still eating. Like, that's lingering. That's a long three hours. We linger. We don't have a lingering problem. It's just when it comes to the things of God, the enemy doesn't want you to linger. He, he wants you to get... He wants you to get impatient and he wants you to find you another pastor and another God and, and form another cow and another calf that'll do it exactly like you want it. But the problem with that is you may get the stuff, but you don't get the provider of the stuff. You don't get God. We don't have a lingering problem. We linger on our phones, don't we? Don't got time to pray, but I'll spend six hours on my phone. Scrolling and swiping. Linger on that website. Hmm. Binge. Boy, we're good bingers, aren't we? Just binge away, huh? I mean, we used to have to wait for weeks to get all the episodes in. Now you could just watch them all in one night. Just, just linger all you want. I'm just, I'm just trying to bring clarity of why we may not be seeing revival and awakening and, and what we want to see in our personal lives because we can't, we, can't, we can't get God if we don't want God. Let, let, me, let me show you the power of lingering. Thank you for those three, of, you know, three, three people that applauded. There used to be four. My mom would come to church. She would always shout, amen. I thank God for my, I, I miss my parents, amen, amen. Deuteronomy 31, let me show you the power of lingering. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord said to Moses, now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting. This is crazy. This is huge. The very tent that Joshua would linger at as a teenage boy, years later would be, become the very tent in which God would have him come to be commissioned for assignment to lead a people into a promised land. He says, where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. The Lord appeared at that tent and a pillar of cloud and a cloud stood over the entrance of that tent. So the place that Joshua lingered became the place that Joshua was commissioned. Where you linger at is the place in which will commission your life. It was, it was Joshua's craving for the presence of God that took Joshua and a whole new generation into a place that God had for them. Why would God choose Joshua out of three million people? Because Joshua didn't stand watching Moses. Joshua said, I got to be in the place where the presence of God is.
want you to stand to your feet. I've just come to tell somebody you need a tent. You, you need a place where you can encounter the presence of God, a place where you can find joy and a place where you can find peace. You know what I thought was interesting as I was thinking about this? You know, maybe, maybe this isn't touching you like it's touched me in the last year. Some of my earliest memories as a kid, probably four or five years old, uh-huh, was at an old wooden altar in an old church. My grandpa pastored. And as a five-year-old kid, we never closed a service without you coming down to the wooden altars and just, just cry out to God. Just, just linger. I remember times that we'd go all night long, we'd just pray and just linger. And you say, well, what a, what a waste of time. I've got things to do. It's where you linger that determines what's going to commission you. And some of you are wondering why your life has no joy. It's because it's in His presence that you find joy for every issue in your life. And the devil's scared spitless that you become a presence carrier. I'm telling you again, the devil is scared spitless of you becoming somebody that starts traveling with the presence of Almighty God. But I've come to tell this church today, that is our assignment. This is a house of glory. This is a house of presence. And we come together like this, and you know what we do? We leave this place traveling with the presence of God into our businesses, into the marketplace, come into our homes, into our families. And when we walk in, stress walks out, worry walks out, fear walks out. When we walk in, the presence of an almighty God walks in. Come on, we can run the devil out of our city if we'll be presence carriers. It's a game changer. It's how I distinguish you, God says. God says, the way they will know whether or not you are mine is by my presence upon your life. God wants to baptize you. God wants to saturate you with his presence. Ha <laughs> Worship team, you you here? Come back. We're going to sing this. Are we okay? It took longer than I thought to get that out, but it feels better now that I got it out. Can, can I say something? I want you to hear this, and then, and then I'm going to f- let you come. We're going to take communion, and then I'm going to formally dismiss you. But you know what's interesting? Is the Bible says, because uh, I don't want you to make this about a ch- church service. Um, we don't need a revival event. Let me just speak into this. We, 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 we need a revival culture. <laughs> the, book, the book of Acts where God poured out his spirit in the upper room, you can't have that every night. That, that actually went from a service to a culture. So you can't sustain just 24-7 everybody. We got to live life. You got diapers to change and jobs to work. But we do need those experiences 
that then moves us into carriers of the presence where we go into the marketplace, we go into our neighborhoods, we go into our businesses, and we bring revival. That's what happened to the book of Acts. Come on, that's what celebration is all about, a revival culture. So, so, so the scripture says in the New Testament that your body is the tent. <laughs> You're taking your tent with you. You take your tent and go on home now. You, you take that tent with the presence of God that's on the inside of you, and you just take that presence everywhere you go, and you just bring joy, unspeakable and full of glory to a society and a community. We're going to take it to our college campuses. Come on, we're going to take it to every aspect, every place in our community. Come on, it's revival time. It's awakening time. Woo! You all take your tent and go home. That's what I have. That's a final word for you. You, you know, I, I don't want you to, I know you don't want to sing this, but you got to sing it for me, okay? Are you okay? I know we're going to probably raise our hands and some of you are going to start darting out, but that's okay. It's, it's, it really is fine. If you need to go, feel free to go. But I, I want to sing this song, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and take communion. And we're going to sing this. And this song, I've said it so many times, but maybe this can preface it, but this, nothing else. This song got me through some of the worst times in COVID, trying to lead as a pastor, trying to figure it out, being lied at and lied on and accused and stupid stuff. I kind of felt like, I felt like Moses. They were replacing me for, for that other pastor take their gold and build them what they wanted to build. And people didn't even know that I had a, been awakened by God and I, I, I wrote down and shared it as a leadership teaching with our staff that God gave me COVID rules. And he told me very specific things in the season before it even got started. He says, you will not allow the people to hijack your voice. He says, your voice is my voice. You will not take your platform and use it for the voices of those that want to use you. And so when I didn't say enough, when I didn't do enough, hmm. and so I don't know why I, I don't feel like I was breaking or crazy, but my, my wife could tell you this for a couple years, just like two o'clock every night, just up, I just up, couldn't sleep. And this was the song that kind of carried me through. And this is the kind of stuff I was studying. And I was saying, Brandon, just linger. Just, just linger. Just linger. It's, it's the answer to everything. It's just because I don't know about you, but I come alive in the presence of God. I'm more alive in His presence than anything else. And when I'm breaking and when I'm stressed and when I don't have answers and when, when I have a report that, that that one has cancer and this one has that and this one has... See, see, everything's fine until you're in a dead end and you have no way out and you need God. Then, then, then it's like, God, God, I really don't need this car. I need a healer right now. And it's in His presence. It's always been my, my go-to place. I, I've not be, I, I never felt like I've been talented gifted. It, I, this is the craziest thing. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking. I, this wasn't on my radar. I mean, why would you want to listen to me? 
Oh, but I was a presence guy because I knew if I could get his presence on me, it would change everything. It even made me so good looking. My wife married me. Come on, that's a word for some of you men right there. You waited all this long to get that revelation right there. Now you know why sometimes, why he's so ugly. But she married him anyhow. Oh, the presence of God makes you a lot better than you are. And I would just worship two o'clock in the morning. Didn't know how I was going to do everything. But as I would sing this, I would make adjustments. God, I'm sorry for the things I've made it. Lord, if I've made you about a, a new car, a, a new house, a, and don't get me wrong, God wants to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. He just doesn't want you worshiping your golden calf. Huh? Come on. Come on. He, he wants you to wear your jewelry, but he don't want you to make a golden calf out of it. He, he wants to be your source of your affection. And so I want to just, this song means so much because of the, the verbiage and the words. And, and, and I feel like maybe this message is just, a little adjustment for celebration to say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're all about. It's all about the presence of God. Would you just raise your hands just to heaven? Father, I bless your people today. Thank you, Lord, for their focus. Thank you for their attention. Thank you for your word that you've spoken into our hearts. God, we thank you that we can leave this place with your presence, traveling into every area of our lives with the thing that brings joy to our life, your presence. God, for those that don't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that by the Spirit of God, you would draw them. They don't have a relationship with you, Lord. If there's people far from God today, God, I pray that people would begin to surrender their life to the drawing of the Spirit of God. Father, that nobody would leave this moment without a relationship. Maybe you're here today and you didn't even know a relationship was possible. We say it all the time. The Bible says, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But what you're calling on is you're surrendering your life. You're saying, Lord, I'm done leading my own life. I'm ready to surrender my life. I need you in charge. I want that relationship. I want to become your treasure. I want to, I want to become your son, your daughter. If you're here in this room or even online and the Spirit of God is tugging up on your heart because you know you're not right with God. If you was to die right now, you don't know where you would spend eternity. God's made it very simple. If you'll believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth if you'll just surrender your life to his lordship you shall be saved if that's you in this room are you on the other side of these cameras would you just pray this prayer with me in fact all believers just pray in this prayer the main thing is that you're not repeating a prayer but that you're meaning a prayer say father god today i surrender my life i believe that jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose from the grave. Today, I ask Jesus to come into my heart. If 
Father God, Yahweh, be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 